Amen, amen. Isn't it a blessing to be able to give unto the Lord? We are blessed to give, amen, because the Lord has blessed us beyond what we deserve, amen. And so the Lord loves a cheerful giver, and we love to give unto the Lord, amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord today, Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Uh, we'll start reading in verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Get thee in the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I, will, I and the lad will go up yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it upon uh, Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Isaac spake unto his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went, went both of them together. Amen. I want to preach to you today from this title, The Seed of Sacrifice. The Seed of Sacrifice. Turn to a few people around you. Greet them as you're seated today. A, a young woman brings home her fiancé to meet her parents. And after dinner, her mother tells her father to find out more about the young man, which seems to me like, how is he already her fiancé? Something's backwards. But uh, this is not my story. Uh, the father invites the fiancé to a study for coffee. And so, what are your plans, the father asks the young man, and says, well, I am a preacher, he replies, a preacher, hmm, father says, that's admirable, but what will you do to provide a nice house for my daughter to live in as she's accustomed to? I will study, the young man replies, and God will provide for us. And how will you buy her a beautiful engagement ring such as she deserves, asked the father. And he said, the young man said, I will concentrate on my studies and God will provide for us. And children, says the father, how will you support the children? Don't worry, sir, God will provide the finances. 
And so the conversation kind of goes like this, and every time the father asks him a question, the young man of God insists that God will provide. And so later, his wife uh, asks, well, how did it go, honey? And the father answered, he says, well, the bad news is he has no job and no prospects, but the good news is he thinks that I'm God. So I kind of like him. And so I, I'm not sure if uh, this young man was full of faith or he's just as ignorant as we all are when we're really young and in love. Uh, and I'm not sure if this is a real story or it's made up, but you have to admire the faith that is portrayed in this illustration. Believing that God will provide for you that he will make a way even when there seems to be no way. That takes faith, doesn't it? Man, faith is something that is used to, to see far ahead that you can't see right now. But when you get there and you turn around and you see your hindsight, the 2020 vision that's our hindsight, you can see the faith, how it laid everything out. That's how faith operates. You use it to reach forward, but you don't really see the results until you're behind, they're behind you. Uh, but we need that faith in order to please the Lord, in order to walk with Him, because not everything is right here in front of us, is it? And so that's the type of faith that we admire uh, there is no doubt that we need to walk by faith, and that is the type of faith that we want for ourselves as presented in this illustration, how he just says God's going to provide. Uh, but it seems like sometimes how uh, we may struggle finding such faith, uh, that God will do that for me, that he will provide that for me, um, as God promised Abram and Sarah that he would give them a son. And you know what they did? They both laughed. They both laughed. But they had enough faith to believe that God could give Hagar a son, but Sarah didn't have the faith that God would give me a son. I have enough faith for her that God can do it for her or for him, but I don't really may necessarily have that much faith for me. Anyone ever feel like that before? You're just you're releasing all kinds of faith for somebody else and believing for a miracle for somebody else. But whenever it comes your time for a situation, all of a sudden we feel like, well, woe is me. You know, if we can use that much faith we have for somebody else, maybe uh, our situation might look a little better. Uh, uh, we are like the father whose son was demon-possessed. Uh, the, the disciples, the Bible says, took their turns trying to cast out the demon from this boy, and they could not do it. And the father brought his son finally to Jesus and and told him that his disciples could not cast out this devil or devils, whatever uh, he had. Jesus said unto them, unto him, if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. But what did the father says? He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, Lord, but 
I got some unbelief as well, and I need a little bit of help with that because it seems like it's kind of increasing greater than my faith is. And so I believe, but help my unbelief. Uh, I'm not sure, but it kind of sounded like he maybe had a little bit more unbelief than belief. But even still, he must have had at least a mustard seed of faith worth uh, because Jesus turned to the boy and rebuked the deaf and dumb spirit and cast it out of the boy. And it, it, it may seem that you have more faith for someone else's miracle than your own, but all God is looking for is just a little bit of faith for yourself that say, hey, God, maybe you could do a little bit of work here in my life, in my situation. I believe, Lord, but just help my unbelief a little bit. See, your unbelief will be helped. But it takes a step of faith in order to begin exercising that. And that mustard seed of faith begin to work and grow in your life. Uh, anybody believe that God has something for you? Not your neighbor, not your friend, but God has something for you. That we need to believe that for ourselves. That yes, God has a plan for me. He's got a purpose for me. He's got a destiny for me. And I need my faith uh, to help God exercise that into my life. And so when Jesus got back to his uh, disciples, he, uh, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Um, and Jesus told him, he says, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Uh, sometimes the miracle is already there waiting for it to happen, and the power is there to heal and deliver. But sometimes we just need to do a little bit more praying. Sometimes we just need to do a little, a little bit more fasting or, or reaching out by faith before that stronghold will uh, be broken. Maybe we need to fast another day or two or whatever it is to reach wherever God wants us to be. Uh, but could it be that maybe our blessings uh, were never released because something had them bound and God wanted us to take another step of faith or pray a little bit more, and we just maybe never did it. Or maybe we just kind of gave up a little bit too soon when everything was right there. But I believe that God has planned for each and every one of us, and we got to make sure our faith is active and our faith is working because you never know when we turn a corner and you need to release some faith in your life, into your situation, and that's what God needs because without faith it is impossible to please him. Amen. And so uh, we know that great God has great things in store for us and that, that miracles, signs, and wonders are, are on their way and they're here. And so we got to make sure that we are doing our part and, and praying and fasting and making sure we are getting close to God so that we are ready uh, to for any moment to uh, see the miraculous. And so the only thing that stands in the way of seeing the miraculous in our life and in this city and in this world and in our situation is usually bound up in, in one word, and that is called sacrifice. That big, long, heavy word of sacrifice. And so many times we will not see a supernatural encounter, a supernatural move until there is a sacrifice that is offered up unto the Lord. 
Miracles are ready to be released, and God is just waiting for a sacrifice to be offered up. Fire is ready to fall from heaven like Elijah, but all he needs is somebody to say, hey, I need to build an altar. I need to get a sacrifice. I need to put something upon it and lay it down. And so anybody here willing to be that sacrifice, willing to lay something down so that God's hand can be intervening and the power and the fire of God can come into our life, God needs and is looking for a sacrifice. And so you may have heard it about it for years. You may have been praying for it for years. And I believe God is wanting to see if we are willing to sacrifice and even sacrifice even more uh, in order for that to be released in our life. And so uh, we know God is willing and wanting to do all kinds of great things. Many times it's you and I that we have to get aligned and realigned with what God is doing. Because God's never going to be out of place. His timing is always perfect, and his will is always going to be done. It's just a matter of us just finding that, finding that right position in that right place where we line ourselves up with heaven, and all of a sudden uh, everything is released in our lives. But that uh, is easier said than done because finding those coordinates and going to that place requires sacrifice on us and requires us uh, unplugging from our our wants and desires and, 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 and praying and seeking the face of God and the voice of God to lead us to that place. And so for years, Abram had heard about the promises of God. As it started when he uh, called him out of the Ur of Chaldees to come out from his father's house Go to a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee of a great nation. And so for years, Abram has heard that. He, he was, they estimate that he was maybe about 75 years old when he began to leave the Ur of the Chaldees in his father's house. And so for years, he's heard about this, that you will be the father of many nations, and your seed will be as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore which is innumerable and unmeasurable. The blessings that I'm going to pour out in your life are going to be so, so much that you cannot even uh, begin to measure it. But the reality is, is that years came and went, and nothing happened in Abram's life. For years, Abram was believing this promise, this thing that God had spoken to him for years he had done it, and Abram, he got to a new land. He got to this place that God was inviting him to, but, uh, and it was a beautiful land, but what good is the land if you don't have a child to pass it on to? What good is this beautiful land if I and my wife are going to die in it and there's nobody else to carry it on through the family? What good is all this land? And so uh, finally... After growing impatient with God's plan, Abram and Sarah come up with their own plan. They decided to take matters into their own hands, and uh, we know what kind of what God wants in our life. And it hasn't happened yet, so we're going to kind of help God's hand along here. We're gonna, we, we know the direction. We know what he wants. 
uh, he's promised us a son, and so we haven't seen it yet, so we're going to figure it out, and we're going to fill in the rest of the details with our own uh, good, educated idea. Um, and so uh, they take matters into their own hands, and they'll force God's hand, and they'll find out a way to be blessed one way or another. And we all know the circumstances and the consequences that happen because of that. We still see the effects of that decision today. Talk about uh, repercussions from decisions. We're talking 4,000 years later, the world is still struggling because of that one decision. These decisions that you and I make, uh, as much as we think they may just affect us, many times they affect more than us. They affect our family and those around us and, and our grandkids and, and, and many, many other people. And so we have to be extra careful when we make our decisions because it's more than just us that are impacted by this. But God spoke to Abram one day and he said, uh, the way that you tried with Ishmael and Hagar, that's not going to work because that's not wasn't my plan. I don't know why you went, went ahead and did that, but that's not what I had intended for you to do. Uh, he is not the chosen son. Yeah, you can claim him as your son, but he's not the son that I was going to give you. Uh, and so you will have a son from Sarah, your wife, and his name will be Isaac, and the promise will be passed on through him. The blessing will go through Isaac and not Ishmael. And so we see that Isaac was born, and Abraham and Sarah got to see their miracle child grow up every single day from then forth. How, how, how much joy uh, they must, Isaac must have brought to their life to see that happen. I mean, uh, if, if you're, uh, you know, 100 years old and, and your wife is 90 years old and, and you... Uh, conceive and you give birth to a child uh as crazy as it sounds that baby will probably bring joy to you and you'll be you'll be out of your mind the rest of your life especially i'm already i'm already out of my mind and i'm not even nowhere near the age of abraham uh but just imagine brother buck having another child how much joy that'll bring But the thing is with, with what happened was if, if Brother Buck had another child because God said he's going to have another child, and he does, you'll believe God for anything after that point, right? I mean, that's really, that's really kind of where we're at with Abraham. After that happened, pff, hey, what do I know? You know, 100 years old, having a kid, what do I know? My wife's 90, and she's, giving, she's having labor pains. What do I know? If that happened, you'll believe her, your, your faith level will be so high, it got you, nothing, would, nothing would drain you. You believe God for anything, for the miraculous. Uh, and so God wants to show himself strong in our lives, maybe not giving uh, children at old age, but he wants to do something in your life today that will show him that he is able to provide for you, that he will be there for you, that he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. He wants to increase your faith so 
so that you can say anything is possible with God. Why? Because he did this for me, and I know he's going to do it for you, and he'll bring us through whatever situation comes up. And so they, they saw Isaac running around, and they were, uh, now they were reminded of what God had said. And now because Isaac is there, uh, they are seeing God's faithfulness right before their eyes. Uh, the, God's word wrapped in flesh, literally right in front of their eyes. He was a testimony, Isaac was, that God's word is true. That when, what God says, it's going to happen. That I don't need to worry about it. When God speaks, it may not happen right now. But if God had said it, I know it's going to happen. My faith says it's going to happen at some day, some point in my life. It is going to come to pass uh, because his word never returns void. After years of watching Isaac grow up and after a, a time of peace and prosperity, uh, everything's been going well, uh, just basking in the blessings of God. I mean, life can't get any better for them. God shows up again. Genesis 22, our text. God came knocking and he says on, a, on the door of Abraham's tent, and he says, hey, Abraham, it's me, God. Remember me. Here I am. It's been a while. Uh, things have been going well, I see. Uh, Abraham's like saying, man, we love, we love Isaac. He is such a blessing to us. We love him with everything. You are such a great and wonderful God. We, we can believe you for anything now. And God says, I know. Uh, and Abraham says, so what's going on, God? Why are you here today? As you know, everything is well. Um, Isaac is getting bigger by the day. He's our future. He's our hope. He's everything to me. And through him, you're going to bless me and uh, bless the world. And God says, I'm not here because things are not going well. Quite the contrary, I am here because everything is so great. And because everything has been running smoothly ever since Isaac was born, that's why I'm here. Bible doesn't tell us, so we can easily say this, but we don't see Abraham offering up any idols or any, uh, building any altars after Isaac was born. We're told that he built many altars before Isaac showed up. The Bible doesn't tell us that he did after Isaac showed up. Maybe he did. Hopefully he did, but uh, we don't know, so I can say that and go along with that. Uh, it seems like when you didn't have much, Abraham, you were building altars and you were crying out to me. You were always getting my attention with another altar and another sacrifice. It's, it's like you wouldn't leave me alone and you wanted me close and you, you kept me close. But uh, it seems like ever since I blessed you with a son, it seems like that fire and that desire has become less frequent. What, what's, why? Why? When there's more work and uh, the hours run late and you're, you're enjoying the harvest of your old altars and uh, you're enjoying the surplus from all their previous blessings and, and all these things, uh, your faith really hasn't been stretched in a while. 
It's been a while since you really made a, a serious commitment to Abraham, and so that's why I'm here. It's been a while. I, I want you to go build a new altar. Go build a new altar. You, you know how to build them. You've built them before. Maybe it, it, I feel like it's been a while, Abraham. I want you to go build a new altar, and I want you to offer a sacrifice on it. And uh, you don't need to go searching for the sacrifice. You don't need to go wait for it to come in the mail, uh, two-day delivery. Uh, you uh, already have the sacrifice that I want you to offer. You already have what I am asking for. In verse 2, he says, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. As it comes to find out through, uh, through tradition and, and, and history that uh, the very mountain that Abraham took his son Isaac upon to offer up as a sacrifice uh, is believed to be that very temple mount in Jerusalem. You see, if you see the picture of Jerusalem, you see this little gold dome building. Uh, inside, it's called the, the Dome of the Rock. And the rock is Mount Moriah. You go inside, we can't, Christians can't go inside, but pictures of it. Uh, there's a, a big open area where the mountain is exposed. There's the very top of Mount Moriah. That's why it's such a holy place because it is believed that that is where Abraham offered Isaac right there on that mountaintop and is also obviously where uh, the temple of, of Solomon was built and where the Holy of Holies would be, all right in that same mountain. Uh, and so this is, this is where Abraham was uh, told to go offer, go offer up your only son in a mountain in Jerusalem before Jerusalem became Jerusalem. Uh, and so it's an amazing how it, it kind of uh, connects with God who uh, offers his only begotten son in a mountain in, in, in Jerusalem. The same place, the same setting is where the only son is being offered up as a sacrifice. Uh, and so God is telling um, Abraham, I want you to offer up Isaac, the thing that you've cherished for so long. The thing you thought would never happen, the miracle that I blessed you with, I want you to offer that on this new altar. All of your hopes and all of your dreams and all of your future, everything is wrapped up into Isaac. Uh, and the question is, Abraham, will you give that to me? What I gave you, will you give it back to me? Will you still put me first in your life, or has my blessings took my place? Have I fallen down on the list, Abraham, or have the blessings that I've given you, have they replaced me, and now all of a sudden uh, I care more about the blessings than I do about God and his desire? Uh, and so uh, how does this look for us today? The job that I gave you. Has it taken your attention away from me? 
the raises and promotions that just kind of fell into your lap and you didn't really seem to ask for them. I, I gave them to you. Would you give them back to me? The amount of work that you've been slammed with and the money that just pouring in and, and you're so blessed now more than you've been in years. And, and so uh, would you be willing to give that back to me? What are you going to do with all of that, Abraham? What are you going to do with the blessings that I've given you? It's been a while. Maybe it's been a while since you made a sacrifice. It's really tested your faith. And I'm not asking for something that you do not have. God doesn't ask for something that you don't have. He wants what you have. And it comes down to whether or not we're going to give it back to him. Or are we going to walk around holding on to these blessings and things that we think are ours? We think that we worked hard for them and uh, we, we kind of uh, erase God's name and, and the map of it all. How it actually is all because of what God done in our lives that we are here where we're at. And uh, are we willing to give that back to him? And so God, let me, let me see what my tax return will be and then maybe I'll give you something. God, if you give me a bonus at work, I promise that I'll give it to you. Or maybe some of it. Or a tithe of it. Or, or, or something. And uh, that's not why uh, uh, I'm asking you to give, Abraham. You already have what I'm asking of. Now I want to see if you'll trust me and put me first. That's, that's really the, where the rubber meets the road, doesn't it? When God asks us to give a sacrifice, to give something uh, that we have that he wants from us, it could be something good or it could be asking us to give up something bad. Uh, it, it all comes down to us willing to let go of whatever God is wanting. Why? Because he wants us uh, to draw closer to him. He wants to be first in our life. He wants us to look to him for everything and to be the supply of our needs we can easily get caught up in the distraction of blessings and all kinds of things but what if God asks us to build an altar and put that new blessing upon it so what is Abraham's response I mean this is quite the ask I mean this is the big ask uh, what is Abraham's response what would your response be I'm sure you've, you're thinking about that. If God asks you to give up your new, your new, give all your raise, your bon your entire bonus, give everything to the church, give it to Him. What would, what would your, what are your thoughts? This is what Abraham did after hearing that. Verse three: Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took his two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And, and so Abraham's response to God's request, to me, is convicting. Because it seems like there's really no hesitation that Abraham says, okay. It seems like there's no really bartering or negotiating with God. There's really no second guessing or none of that. Well, God, are you really sure that's really what you want? Or what about just a little bit? What if I offer, the, uh, offer this up instead? We don't 
see this happening in Scripture. Instead, Abraham gets up early in the morning, grabs Isaac. He, he grabs his hope. He grabs his future. He grabs his promise. He, he grabs his miracle. He grabs his blessing. He, and he grabs it and he goes. It's no wonder that Abraham is called the father of faith. You see, we squirm and we squeal and just, uh, we don't get any sleep that night. And we're just wandering and, and, oh, God, please take this away. Come back and say, I was just kidding. I don't want you to uh, give that. And so when God asks of us, to give out of our abundance, it's kind of like pulling teeth sometimes. But without hesitation, Abraham takes his only son to the altar. And so God, help us to live like Abraham lived. To walk in the way that he walked and uh, to live and walk by faith that he had. Uh, sometimes the the 15 feet that we have to walk to place in the offering basket uh, seems like 15 miles. Abraham carried his son for three days. Three long, arduous days until he finally reached his altar. It, it was probably a quiet ride. Abraham maybe been doing a lot of contemplating of of, of this whole situation and how is this going to work out or what or I don't know. Every step that he took knowing that it's one step closer to his last step. But finally they reach the place where God is asking Abraham to go, Mount Moriah. And, and, and so he says to his servants, you guys stay here. Me and the boy are going to go up. And as any young boy is going to ask, always asking all kinds of questions. Kids always ask everything. They're very observant. Uh, and he knows what's going on. And so his little son says, uh, yeah, I see the wood and the fire, but uh, where's the offering? Where's the burnt offering? Normally, these, normally we're doing this with an animal, and we already have the animal. And so Abraham just says, God is going to provide an offering. What God asks of us, God will provide to us. And so we're going to worship, but we'll be back. And uh, I, only I know that Isaac is going to be the sacrifice and that I'm going to lay him on the altar to give him to God. And so... Um, uh, that's a, a, a conversation that Abraham obviously did not have with his son. Um, but ultimately, Ab uh, Isaac ended up tied up on the altar. And you, can't, you can only imagine what was going through Isaac's mind at this point. Um, but Abraham trusted in God that God is going to provide the sacrifice because God asked me to make a sacrifice, and he's not going to make me offer a sacrifice of something that I do not have. And so any type of sacrifice that God is asking of you, know that you already have it. Otherwise, how can we offer it? How can we offer a sacrifice to God that which we do not have? 
That's just an unfair question, right? Uh, an unfair test. Well, of course we fail, God. I don't have that. And so if God is asking you of something, know this, that you already have what he is asking. Because he's already provided it in your life at some point. Uh, and so he's asking for you to give that back to him. And so Abraham trusted in God to know that God is going